Vodka Education, episode 55. Season 2. It's Justin Glodish here with episode 55 of the Aka Education Podcast. Now, this week, we're shifting gears a little bit, focusing mostly on education. In, in essence, elementary education, but this everything that we're going to talk about today really can go for any educator. So with me today, I have Jessica Peresta, who is the domestic musician. If you've looked up Instagram, any social media accounts, and you are an educator, you have probably seen Jessica's name around. You know, she is one of... Uh, one of the greatest people that I've actually had the privilege of kind of just viewing through Instagram and all these other social media outlets. Uh, she is a former Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, Teacher of Today Award winner. Um, she has developed this domestic musician, um, you know, social media persona. She has a podcast. She has, a, she's an author. She has kids. So I'm excited to talk about how she manages, you know, her home life with her educational life because it can be a lot. And especially with everything going on in the education profession nowadays, it's nice to find that happy balance. So Jessica, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Absolutely. So now can I just, I'm just curious, the, the name, the domestic musician, can you give a little background as to how that came up and uh, how you got involved in really pushing, you know, some ideas into uh, the educational realm? Mm -hmm. So the website name itself, September 2016, I, that's when the website was born. Um, and so come, I don't know about for you, but for me, coming up with a website name was tricky. I, I thought I could just do the regular route of just naming it something music teacher or some, you know, mm -hmm. but I decided, no, I'm going to put like I do with a lot of me. Um, I'm very uh, sarcastic and outgoing. And so I said, I'm going to just kind of put my own spin on it. And so just kind of made a list of a lot of different names of websites. And my husband has always just called me domestic just because, uh, I wouldn't say I'm like Monica from friends clean, but I'm very, I like to keep, I just like all my ducks in a row. I'm very orderly. I like organization. I do like cleaning my house, which some people don't, but I just do. And so he's always said, you're just so domestic. Um, it's just a random word he's always used just because, um, and so anyways, that kept coming to my mind. Like, it's just kind of like this inner um, joke between my husband and I, he calls me domestic. And then I was like, well, a musician. But then I thought, well, wait, that could also apply for teachers because your domestic life, I even looked up the word domestic, like it's your home life. And then you're a musician or a music teacher outside of school. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. Not just for me, because there's like a personal reason behind it, but for teachers outside the school. So of course, I mean, not outside the schools, teachers landing on my website is what I mean. So of course, when you land on my site, you don't know all that, you know, you're not like, Oh, I'm a domestic musician, but that's the hidden meaning behind it. Um, so my goal in starting my business altogether, like it started as just a blog and I don't mean it's just, just a blog, but that's what it was. It was just a blog at first, just for me to share my thoughts. 
Uh, and the reason why is because when I did teach elementary music, I started at a school, did not have music for seven years. I uh, walked in in the middle of the school year, um, was told I don't have a budget. I didn't have resources. I had no idea how to get any of those things because I was brand new. I just did my student teaching in the fall and got my job in the middle of the year. And it was super, super tough. But I slowly started just kind of figuring things out as I went and slowly started building my music program up. And then the reason I left is because we ended up moving to a new state and my school was closing. And so it was just kind of like, okay, if the door's not shutting, you know, this isn't a sign that it's time then. Um, And so when I moved to Arkansas, I'd always had it in my heart to work with teachers. Um, But the, the fear held me back was like, who are you to do that? You don't have a master's. You're just this, you know, whatever. But I was like, why don't I just share my thoughts, share my blog, share a blog? And I did that. And then I was planning to go back into the classroom, but this blog started getting read more. And then it turned into the things you mentioned earlier, uh, which was never my goal was to make it a business. It was just Mm going to kind of keep me busy while I had little babies and I was staying home with them for multiple reasons. One had food allergies. The other one, he, we found out he was on the autism spectrum. I just didn't feel comfortable putting either of them in childcare. Mm -hmm. So I just took a break for a little bit and you know, somehow my blog grew into a business and that's kind of where we're at now. So it's that's, kind of a long story, but yeah. No, that, that's that's crazy. And like, I like that, you know, the story that you shared, you know, you went into essentially a low, low income district, mm-hmm. you know, that had no music program because yes. I mean, you know, to be honest, I think the arts aren't really viewed upon as much as a lot of, I mean, I'll call them core subjects, even though the arts are core, you know? Mm -hmm. So looking in a situation where, like you said, you had no budget came in the middle of the year where there was no music program and you really had to build it from scratch and start your own thing. And then like, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you just said like you, that school ended up closing. Mm -hmm. So even with all of the work that you had put in, when it came down to it, it was actually things that were out of your control that forced this, the situation, yeah. you know, so yeah. what, which stinks because that's, that's a common story that not a lot of people talk about, you know, that yeah. there's not just programs, but districts folding or merging with others just because enrollment's down, or there's not enough money or whatever the case may be. Now the domestic musician, you know, if anyone goes to the website, the domestic musician.com, not only is um, Jessica's blog there, but there's also, you know, her podcast, which has been going on. Um, Like I said, she's a published author. You can check out her book. You can actually work with her. A lot of great things on the website. Now, in terms of, you know, when you were in the elementary setting and, you know, you had to build from scratch and you talked about, you know, low budget or no budget in that sense, what were some things that you had to come up with in order to kind of create some sort of sustaining curriculum and, you know, program. Yeah. So my cooperating teacher, not my mentor teacher my first year, because God bless her, but she was a third grade teacher. She just didn't know what to do to help me. But my, I remember from my student teaching experience, I reached out and I was like, help, because I came from this situation where she had all the things and all the help and all the budget and all. And then I said, I don't know what to do here. And she said, she just gave me one simple sentence, which wouldn't apply today because of COVID, but said, get the kids singing and get them moving. 
And I, w- I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it just clicked. We're like, she's right. They all have a voice. So we did a lot of speech pieces, a lot of singing, mm-hmm. and a lot of movement and body percussion. Because I thought, I'm not going to let myself feel frustrated just because I don't have the stuff. Do I want the stuff? Yes. Is it, would it help me? Of course. But these kids can still learn music regardless um, of if I have the other things. So that's what I started doing. I just started bringing in some speech pieces and teaching them some different body percussion activities. And then I had to do a lot of assessing where my students were because when I'm seeing fifth graders who had not had a formal music class in years and years, they were not ready to, you know, sing three-part harmonies or whatever it might be. We, we just weren't there, and that's okay. And so I tell teachers that a lot. Like, if, you look mm-hmm. at, if you're looking at your standards and you're frustrated because you can't do what the fifth-grade standards say to do, that's totally fine. Like, mm-hmm. as long as they're creating music, that's the goal. So when I started going through my – I have these old cabinets in my room because I think years ago, before I had gotten there – it had been sort of kind of used as the drama room, mm-hmm. I think even years before I was there. And so underneath of some of these drama clothes, I did find this really old set of books, like Spotlight on Music, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. They were very outdated. And I remember even like, I can't even show my students because the, the kids on the cover were, you know, just dressed way outdated. <laughs> but I remember, so luckily I did find that. So that's exactly where I started. Mm-hmm. And so one of my biggest pieces of advice is if you find yourself in a situation like I found myself in, look, because you probably do have an old set of something hidden in Mm -hmm. cabinets somewhere. It's just going to take time to dig through. So while I did that, I did find like a treasure trove of songs that just kind of hidden in there and get some good poems and some good activities. Couldn't use everything, but I kind of like looked at it and thought, how can I make this my own? And how can I present this to my students in a way that makes sense to them where they're going to want to learn it? And because even the music on the CDs were, and yes, I'm saying CDs was a little bit cheesy at the time. So that's where I started. I started with that. And then I um, I remember going to Lowe's and getting some free carpet samples for my students to sit on because nice. I couldn't even afford sit spots. I don't even know if that was a thing then, by the way. Mm. Um, then I remember uh, the first instruments I got was I went to, it wasn't even a music store. It was a teacher store and it had this box of rhythm sticks and mm. it wasn't even enough for the full class, but I thought, well, by golly, I'm going to have some rhythm sticks in my classroom. So mm-hmm. it was enough for, you know, okay, today five students get to use the rhythm sticks. You guys are going to do some movement and you guys are going to sing the song. And that's what I just slowly started building it up. It took, I did have to use a lot of my own money, like a lot of teachers do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly over time, we just kind of built it up. And then three years in, we finally, the district, not my school, the district got a stipend and mm-hmm. gave every music teacher a stipend. And some of the teachers like, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to buy with this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, give me yours. <laughs> <'Cause>, you <know? laughs> so it just took, yeah, it just, I started with what I had and then just kind of went from there. I, I love it. And I, I have to, I have to take a moment. I have to unpack a lot of that because <laughs> a lot of, like a lot of the stuff that you said actually takes me back to um, almost a similar situation in my first job that I had. Um, where, you know, I was replacing a teacher, I was actually replacing a teacher that had been there for over 30 years. Um, mm. And when I had arrived, um, you know, I, I did have an elementary band colleague, I had an elementary, uh, or I mean, a, a junior, high, senior high 
band colleague, but I would have been the only choral teacher there. So um, mm-hmm. when I had arrived, um, they were in the middle of a huge capital project. I didn't even have a classroom. I was singing in the cafeteria with the students for chorus um, at the high school and at the elementary school. They had just shifted our schedule to that they were putting fifth and sixth grade chorus before school. And the community was worried that student interest would you know, just disappear because the kids mm-hmm. had to wake up earlier, but it actually, it actually started growing. It was interested, interesting because it was students wanted mm-hmm. to be there and whatnot. But what I had found is that when I had arrived, you mentioned you found music and stuff. I had the, the high school audits or the high school cafeteria was lined with like 12 file cabinets oh, and, and the students were telling me, oh yeah, no, that's only part of it they actually, we had to purge a lot of stuff last year. I'm like, oh, we're going to keep purging. You know, I found, mm-hmm. gosh, new kids on the block, choral oh, wow. arrangements. Yeah, we were, we were like 80s and it was, it was nuts. Found, you know, <laughs> cold and fugue season, you know, the classics, you know, it was uh-huh. just crazy to find. And then one of the things that you had said that I think is important, especially for, you know, some of the people who listen to the podcast, they're, you know, on the verge of finishing student teaching, starting student teaching, mm-hmm. or about ready to go into the workforce is that you have to assess your students where they are. And that is huge because I know that there are some people, you know, I'm not going to say who I know of some people who have that mentality. It's like, all right, when I get in there, this is what I'm going to do because this is what I see on TV mm-hmm. or I see these groups that I aspire, what I want to be as a teacher. And we don't take our students into consideration. So as you mentioned, you like, you knew that your fourth grade, a third or fourth grade choir was not going to be able to mm-hmm. handle a three-part harmony. So you yeah. went with something that they were able to handle by doing that. You have given them the ability to succeed and then you have the ability to build as you go. So when I was my own feeder program, knowing what my elementary school students could handle, and as they got older, I could see what they could handle and then add on to that. So again, assessing where your students are at the beginning so you don't have to, you know, because then you're going to feel that you aren't succeeding either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, like, why, exactly. are they, why are they getting this? The standard says they're supposed to, again, yeah. the standards are like, they keep changing anyway. So like, yep. you know, it's just, and there's, it's, it's nuts. So I just, I love that you I feel like we're one in the same person because like everything you're saying is like, I've, I've lived that. Oh my gosh, I have lived that, you know? So, um, and you mentioned investing in your students, Mm -hmm. you know, and you even said it, you know, we as educators, a lot of people don't understand how much money we put into our own, our own programs, you know, and some districts are lucky enough to give, you know, supply budgets and, and, you know, we'll say textbook budgets for sheet music or whatever that may be. But nine times out of 10, we're spending our own money, making sure the students have what they need. You know, when we were full remote, um, God bless her, one of my colleagues at one of our elementary schools, she was my son's kindergarten teacher. She Mm. went out and got, um, uh, she made little shakers with uh, Easter eggs, you know, the little plastic Easter eggs. She uh, was able to get a donation of a box of, you know, chopsticks for rhythm sticks. She went all out to give each individual student in her building you know, she teaches mm-hmm. K five general music. Every student had a baggie of little instru- homemade instruments that they could play with at home when they were on their Chromebooks going remote. Yeah. So she went the extra mile, but that was that wasn't the district. That was her yep. putting in her money and time and effort to make sure that each student had something to play along with while they were home. So um, 
yeah, like everything that you said, totally agree with. And I'm hoping everyone listening is like, all right, I'm not alone, you know? So <laughs> yeah, cause we're not, cause we're not. So um, yeah. now your podcast, um, the elementary music teacher podcast, which can be found on all um, podcast platforms as well as this podcast, you know, you focus on things like classroom management, professional development, lesson planning, all of those things. Um, was the drive to start the podcast similar to your blog or um, did you find it, it was out of necessity or was it just, it was like kind of adding on to what you had already started? Yeah. I'm just a big believer in the fact that I remember my students, mm-hmm. everybody learns in different ways. And so, you know, you get the deer in the headlights looks sometimes when you're speaking to kiddos and it's not that they're tuning you out, but they just don't learn verbally as well as they do visually or kinesthetically. And so I thought I want a way to present content to teachers in a way where the blog's not disappearing, but I want to have another way for teachers to consume content because I know that life is busy. I know me personally, I don't have time to always stop and read a blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like listening to podcasts. So I thought, well, if I like listening to podcasts and I know when I'm in my car, if my kids aren't with me, that's usually when I'm listening to a podcast or mm-hmm. if I'm going on a walk or if I'm sometimes if I'm in the shower, it's sitting on the counter or cooking dinner. So I was like, how cool would it be for me to be able to record some episodes, bring some guests on or some solo episodes and just share what's on my heart, share relevant topics but let them listen to it when they can, whenever mm-hmm. they can, when they have time to consume it. So with that said, a lot of it, I went back to blog posts because the blog came first and was like, oh, you know what? This needs to also be a podcast episode. So some of it is, hey, this is also a blog. The blog says, hey, there's a podcast episode. So I'm basically giving you multiple chances to hear or read it, however mm-hmm. you consume content. Instead of doing the typical transcript, it's like, here's a blog instead. Um, that's just the way I've done it. And then I wanted to start bringing guests on to talk to. And, of course, I could do that in a blog format where mm-hmm. it was – written like here's a qu- here's a question and then I'm typing the answer but there's just something great about hearing you know same for you you know where mm-hmm. you're hearing the person's voice and you're hearing I can try to type out my passion in a blog post and I'm hoping it gets out, but I just feel like I can't put as much of my personality out there. Right. And I love to kind of go off cuff and ad lib a little bit if I want to. I have, you know, notes available and I'm reading off of my little bullet points. And then sometimes I'm like, you know what? I need to say this. This is on my heart and just kind of so a lot of it was, yeah, the passion behind wanting to just help teachers and knowing the busy lives they live. And I have had a lot of teachers say, you know what, during my planning time, that's when I listen to your podcast. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. It's like helping you out while you're planning. And you're like, oh, that's a great idea. Write a tip down. And so I just wanted a way for me to be able to share with teachers in another way. That's great. And um, now, are there any guests or any specific topics that um, are kind of near and dear to you um, because, you know, your podcast has, has been around for a few years. Um, is there anything that really stands out from maybe something that you've learned from another guest or, you know, just a topic that really was like, yes, and it's a huge passion to talk about when you bring it up? Oh, it, that's really hard for me to pinpoint just one, because mm-hmm. like you said, it's, I feel like the guests that I've had on have all, what's really cool is, when I say, I'll say something like, what would you like to discuss? 
Mm-hmm. Or if I think it's already been talked about enough, I'll say, well, wait, what about instead of just this, like just classroom management, what if you put this spin on it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea because I know what's cool about forming connections with people and slowly growing the relationships, even through social media is I've kind of gotten to know like this person would be great to talk about this, this one, this, this one, this. And so I think the conversations that I've loved the most probably have been the last year or two when we've really gone deeper with, I don't like to do surface level. I like to kind of push the envelope a little bit. So to challenge things if I can, but in a respectful way. So bringing on guests that can speak about things that either a, I don't have experience in or B that I feel like their voice needs to be heard over mine Mm -hmm. is super important to me. So, um, you know, the guest I've had come on and talk about equity in the music classroom and diversity mm-hmm. in the music room and how to do that, right. uh, doing it in a way that actually makes sense and it's important. And, um, you know, and I've shared my story about working in an urban setting, but it's still bringing these voices in that can definitely amplify that and speak about it in ways that I can't was super, super important. And I, I love it. And I know you probably can relate to this, but when mm-hmm. I bring guests on, I'm learning right along with my guests and I'm seriously taking notes that I go back to and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I never even thought about that that way. I don't have to sit there and think about it sometimes. Like that was awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I agree. Yeah. So Franklin Willis, great. Um, Darlene Mashacone, amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I've just had so many that I'm just blown away. Even that I was able to have these conversations that they're Mm -hmm. like a podcast is an ever living, breathing thing where they can these conversations can be listened to over and over and over. So it's, I mean, gosh, I could name everybody that's been on because it's all been, it's just been so much fun. And I love that you brought up Darlene because Darlene was a, a guest um, a while back on, oh, awesome. on, on, on this podcast. And, you know, she has her own podcast as well, Coloring the Melody, which is, mm-hmm. is great. And, you know, and and you're right, you know, especially this past year, uh, two years, actually, with a lot of things that are kind of going on in society, they're kind of, coming into the classroom and, and they're, they're topics that would be considered, I don't know, taboo 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but you know, we're finding that our students have these feelings and these thoughts and these ideas. And, you know, some of us, you know, myself included, aren't sure sometimes how to yeah. approach it. So having um, the voices to be amplified, the people that have better experience or have a better understanding to be able to learn from them. And like, like one of the reasons why I started this podcast, I probably said mm-hmm. it on almost every single podcast is one, give myself something to do during the pandemic, but two, to make myself learn even more, you mm-hmm. know, and I've learned at least one thing from every guest I've had on this show, regardless of what their background was, you know, we, we've had acapella arrangers on here. We've had, you know, high quality educators on here, just a variety of people. And I've learned something, you know, and, yeah. you know, and I, I always joke with my middle school students and said, you know, listen, once you turn 13, there's a saying that says your teenagers know everything. So once you <laughs> hit that magic age, it's like, I'm going to ask you all the questions. It's like, I don't even know everything, you know? So the fact that I'm able to learn something new every time a guest comes on this show is really important to me. So you actually have a book, make a note what you really need to know about teaching elementary music. Can you talk a little bit about that? And just out of curiosity, um, are there things within that book that also can really tie into, you know, the secondary music setting? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like everything I've done in my business, uh, the book was this passion that was living deep inside of me for years and years and years where I know I am not 
even from having a conversation with you, I'm not the only one that's found myself in a tough situation where it's like, basically in college, you learn the things in my student teaching placement. Yeah, I learned, I learned things, but my gosh, when I got in there, whether it was the school I was at, I feel like I could have been at a school that had a million dollar budget and still felt lost because there's so much that you're not told and you don't figure out what to do until you get in there. Mm -hmm. So that's, my book was from that was like what, what I wish I had been told when I was starting. And it's not just for new teachers. There is one chapter in there that's for just new teachers, but it is about what I didn't know about classroom management, what I didn't know about work home life balance, what I didn't know about teaching and lesson planning and all the, this is what I, you know, and I kind of give some stories and share some stories about myself, but also like real application type of things that I definitely think could apply definitely for secondary teachers as well, because it's just, it's just sound advice about this is what I didn't know, what I wish someone had told me, and here's how you can apply it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes you think of like, oh, I can't relate to her exact situation, but I'm going to take what she said and definitely this, this is some good advice she gave about whatever this, you know, the topic is. Right. And I, what I find interesting is that, you know, um, I've had the, I've had the luxury, I guess you could say I had a student teacher, um, you know, pre winter break, um, come in and I have a, actually somehow I got two student teachers from two different universities this year. So I have another one coming in, but what I'm finding is, is that talking to a lot of college students is that these are the type of things that they wish that they were taught in mm -hmm. undergrad. Mm -hmm. You know, we're taught learning theories, we're taught things that are supposed to better us as, you know, musicians and professionals. But when it comes into the educational portion of, you know, our degree, there isn't that class that says, all right, here's what to expect. You yeah. know, like here's, you know, you here's some situations you might run into. We don't think about that. And then even as we're student teaching, we maybe only get a brief idea of what that might be you know yeah. and, I, and knowing that me personally not having that i've made it a point to talk to my student teachers and say so here's some situations that might arise that might not mm -hmm. prepare you like i can give you a great story you know my uh my son was sick earlier this year um to the point where like there there was a, a concern that he might have had appendicitis so mm. you know we went to you know one of the hospitals that was 90 minutes away or just the because, and my poor student teacher was like, mm, okay, my, you know, my student teacher yeah. went to solo week, two weeks early, you know, and had, you know, my colleagues, God bless them, you know, my colleagues helping him out every step of the way, but he, he got firsthand experience of what it's like when, you know, you have like all hands on deck really, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, the students were great. He did a fantastic job, was able to finish his unit that he needed to finish. And, you know, but those are things that they don't, don't tell you about. They don't tell you about, hey, you know, I know that you want to perform this music, but um, you don't have the budget to order that sheet music. Yep. You know, they don't really go into, it's like, hey, you can't legally copy all of that music for those students. Like the little things like that. Yes. You know, and um, so I think having like books like that or even like having classes or having people like yourself go into the classrooms and doing workshops with college students who are about to student teach, giving them mm -hmm. that opportunity to ask those questions and just say, here's what to expect, you mm -hmm. know, because another aspect of it too is, I mean, not just the, the teaching portion of it, but there's also like, 
I'm going to use the word political. There's the like administrative and political side, yes. the part that no one talks about. And every district has something going on, oh, you know, yeah. and um, you got to be careful not to get too caught up in it. And, you know, that's another layer of stress added to your profession, which is actually yeah. going to lead me into my next question, because I'm curious of your take on it, is, you know, with the rise of, of the pandemic and the remote learning, there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of studies, a lot of things out there regarding mental health. Mm-hmm. And mental health seems to have become a new, like, I hate that I'm going to use the term, but buzzword right. in terms of what's going on in education. And it's not just the students' mental health, but it's our mental health as educators Mm -hmm. and professionals as well. So what advice do you have for, you know, educators and students in in regards to trying to maintain that mental health? Because again, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, it's about finding the balance between your professional life and your home life. Mm -hmm. So do you have any tips and suggestions on how, how to balance that to keep our sanity. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I want to start by saying I have not ever taught during a pandemic. I have, I'm working with teachers. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, and I'm working with teachers. So my job now is not in the classroom, but I am Mm. mentoring teachers through my work. So I'm learning through the teachers I'm working with about what they're going through. I started a membership site two and a half years ago. Um, basically created it for in-person teaching and Mm -hmm. then had to pivot nine months later and have been pivoting as we've gone. So that's, I've kind of learned by being in there and helping hundreds and hundreds of teachers of what is going on, like what it really is causing the overwhelm. Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? There is overwhelm in every Mm -hmm. teacher, like pre-COVID, right? There's going to be the overwhelm you feel from putting on performances. I'm talking about music teachers here, you know, planning the lessons, implementing the lessons, the classroom management, the structuring your class time, the uh, transitioning in, in, in your class time between activities, that all those little nuances, it causes stress because you're, you're wondering all the time, second guessing yourself, am I doing this right? The comparing yourself to others game is so real. The, um, being too hard on yourself, not giving yourself enough grace or patience to grow and know that it's going to take time for you to grow and figure things out. Mm-hmm. But bringing it back to now, it's like magnified ever more than ever because every single week things are changing. Right. Things are changing. And so the teachers I work with, I say, you have the things that are in your control and then you have things that are out of your control. The things that are out of your control is this dang pandemic that's never leaving. It's like, you know, just go away already. But, you know, <laughs> that's out of your control. It's out of your control if your admin tells you you're switching your the way you're teaching for the 12th time. You know, mm-hmm. you're back to virtual school or now you're on a car, you're losing your classroom again, whatever it might be. It's out of your control if you cannot use certain instruments like recorder, for example, because you're just not allowed to use them this year. Right. Um, things like that are out of your control. But then there's things that are in your control, which is what your, um, your I lost my train of thought, that... Well, the lessons you're teaching. Okay. So yeah. So you can't teach them like you normally would, Mm -hmm. but how can you adapt them? How can you adjust what you would do with your students? When you focus on the concepts and objectives you're teaching, then you can plan the activities around that. Mm -hmm. It may look different. It may look more 
not singing, but they're still learning. If your students are still learning, that's the goal. And so I think a lot of what's happened because I've experienced anxiety. I'm an open book. And I remember uh, this night vividly, even two weeks ago, where even my husband was like, what's going on? Because I was Mm -hmm. like, on you know, normally our kids go to bed and then we'll like talk or I'll catch up on something or whatever, um, watch a show or whatever it might be. I remember just laying on the couch in the dark and he was like, are you, are you good? And I said, (laughs) I said, I couldn't even verbally tell him what was wrong. I just remember it was like all, it was like the world problems, Mm -hmm. stuff going on in my life and everything just kind of hit, hit at the same time. And I just felt anxious. Right. So first of all, I want to acknowledge that that is going to happen from time to time. Maybe not as extreme as my example, Mm -hmm. but you, I feel like a lot of it in my community. And that's why I even started a membership site was the fact that these normal things, they are normal, are not talked about a lot. You see the highlight reels on, you know, Instagram. I'm guilty of doing that too, like smiley picture. But behind the scenes, I didn't share about that. You know, I'm right. sharing it with your podcast podcast audience. But behind the scenes, there are teachers struggling, having hard days, sitting in their cars, not wanting to go in, um, struggling with the lesson planning or the lessons they did plan resonating with their students. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. And so... I think a lot of the the mental health thing, when we talk about work-home life balance, it's not, balance to me is not a word where it's, everything's perfectly aligned in your life. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the balance, like you see at the grocery store, that balance um, scale, that's the word I'm looking for, is, I actually heard someone talk about this one time at this, uh, now I can't remember who it was, but basically what she said was, Melody you think about it like melody and harmony. So perfect mm-hmm. for your audience, right? Yeah. The melody will always, that's going to take the melody line. The harmony parts are underneath it. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and this switches every week, maybe the melody in your life, your work is going to be up here, but like, let's even take parts of your work out. Like what needs to take center stage that, that week? Are you really heavily planning our performance for, let's say, fourth grade? Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably going to be up here in the melody. And then the other stuff you're teaching will take the harmony. And then... Even on top of that, if you have a family, it's not like your family gets forgotten about, but you just need to verbally say, hey, I'm going to really be heavily focused this week on this thing. And so mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to maybe read to my kids as much, or um, maybe there's a couple nights that week you won't be able to eat dinner with your family or whatnot. But instead of being so hard on yourself, and that's where I start getting anxious is when I'm trying to make sure everything in my life is equally aligned yep. and it starts just it feels like it's like caving in on you. Mm-hmm. And so the advice I give is look at your week, know what there are going to be some weeks where it feels like it's coasting. Like you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just in my normal lesson planning um, flow. The lessons are going smoothly. I'm teaching. There's not like a lot of extra. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like parent of the year. I'm talking to those of you who may be your parents for new, new, it, those of you listening who are about to get your first teaching position, even next year, your work home life balance you're going to go home and like after school, take a nap. This was me like take a nap on the couch. Cause you're just, you don't realize that mental exhaustion you're going to feel. It mentally wears you out where in a way that you are singing and talking and moving and, you know, focusing all day long. So I think a lot of it is when the snowball is continuing to move and move and move and roll down the hill and we don't really stop to process why we're feeling the way we're feeling and you don't really focus on what is causing the overwhelm. Uh, I'm really big on telling teachers I work with brain dump, get it out of your head. Like what is going on in here? It could be even be a simple word, like get, this is going to sound stupid, but get groceries Mm -hmm. or 
put laundry and dryer. These are things I do. They're so simple and they sound stupid, but really honestly, it's those little tiny things sometimes that add up that'll cause overwhelm because you, when you have too much in your brain, you're not getting it out on paper. Now, those are simple examples. Of course, there's bigger things weighing on teachers right now, 1,000%. Right. But I think a lot of it just goes back to knowing your week, kind of planning it out, being consistent with putting things on your calendar, knowing what you need, knowing that you can say the word no. It's okay mm-hmm. to say the word no. And then also remembering those things that are out of your control when you're just mentally prepared for it, that things are going to keep changing, you might get an email that, hey, tomorrow we're switching back to virtual learning or your teaching is changing again or you walk in your classroom, you have 26 kids absent that day. Things are going to be out of your control, but how do you respond to that and how do you keep moving forward even on those days that are terrible, right? right. So I know that was loaded and I like literally went all over the place with it, but I mean, yeah. That was well, a lot of fine, my thoughts. <laughs> in the, the beauty of a podcast is you can always go back and listen and see what you missed. And you're right, you know, really trying to outline what you can control. You know, there are many, many variables and many things that we cannot control. But the best thing that we can try and do for ourselves, and I know for some, myself included, it's it's difficult to like let go of that you know, the, the things that aren't our control because you want to make it so that it is in your control, even though it's not right. So, but you know, when you, when you map it out and you just take it one step at a time, slowly the breathing becomes easier and, Mm -hmm. and, and things start, you know, and having the support system, I think having a support system around you too is huge. You know, luckily, you know, you have having a great set of colleagues, or even if it's not your own music colleagues, you know, mm-hmm. you might have colleagues that you don't get along with, but find that support system, whether it's, you know, a sibling or, you know, um, your significant other, your, your children, yeah. whatever it may be, find that happy place, find a happy spot where you feel comfortable expressing yourself with no judgment, you know, and, yeah. you know, well, one of the things that I think scares a lot of people is that, you know, you mentioned, don't be afraid to say no. I think mm-hmm. people especially younger teachers who might not be in the in a tenure track or they're not tenured, they're afraid to say no because they're afraid of what that might mean for them. So, um, you know, there's, there's that added stressor, you know, but it's okay to say no. You know, it's okay mm-hmm. to take a, a sick day if you need to. You need a moment to just breathe, you know. There, yes. So I just, and I think that, there's just so much worry about falling behind. One of the big things that is coming up in the news a lot too is like, oh, these students, they're falling behind. It's like, what mm-hmm. are they falling behind from? Right. You no, know, you're, you're, everyone's falling behind, yeah. you know, you like, and it's not just here in the United States, it's across the world. Yes. You know? So it's, it's when you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, we're all right where we're going to be and Mm -hmm. it will all work itself out in the end Mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah. I was going to say, you talked about the support system. I am a big believer in that Mm -hmm. music teachers. It doesn't matter if you teach elementary, middle, high school, college, it doesn't matter. Private lessons. You can find yourself on this Island where Mm -hmm. you are alone. And I don't know if it's a musician brain. I've thought about this a lot where we are very go-getters. We, like you said, you don't want to fail. You want to do it all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a musician thing, but I feel like a lot of it is 
a lot of times you find yourself as that only teacher in your school. So like you said, you have colleagues that you can lean on that aren't just music teachers. But the cool thing about we live in this digital age now of social media. When I started out, I'm aging myself, but we didn't have that. Well, I think Facebook had just either. come out, but it wasn't really, nobody even knew what they were doing. We just posted like, my name is Jessica. You know, it was like oh, random. Yeah, for me, for Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, when I was in college and you actually had to email Mark Zuckerberg oh my and say, hey, my college wants to be, and it was just for colleges. Yes. That's how, I mean, that's how yes. Facebook is for me. So, yeah. So yeah. When you said, so I agree with that. Surround yourself with community and I know it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to say like today was hard. What do mm -hmm. I do? But I think it's important because what I've seen happen a lot is when you say I'm struggling with, we don't even have to use that word, but today was hard because, or mm -hmm. give me advice around this. There is some other teacher out there that is seeing that post. That's like, oh my gosh, me too or I'm going to be reading this, or I want to connect with this person because I completely relate to them. And so community, I think, is a huge part, especially right now, right. of finding, like you said, whatever that looks like for you, a support system to keep you going. Because I think a lot of it is if you are having a hard day and then you're just keeping it all to yourself and you're not talking about it to, and there's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist. I've been there, done that too, talking to a therapist, or you are like I said, write out your thoughts, journal if you're a journaler, or mm -hmm. really connect with other teachers. You don't even have to know them in real life. It can be on an online community somewhere. Mm -hmm. But that I think that's so important. I think that definitely helps. It's just, like you said, even the colleagues you work with who aren't even music teachers because you're in a common space together right. going through this crazy time together that you can relate to them. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, this has all been like, one eye opening because like I said, I don't feel alone much anymore. Like knowing that mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in New York, you know, you're you're in Arkansas, you said you said, right? Yes. But taught in Oklahoma, you know, and yes. it's it's the same everywhere. So, you know, for you those of you listening, know that it's the same everywhere. And we're all going through the same things or we all have similar experiences in our teaching experiences. Again, some of us, you know, Facebook was wasn't a thing when we were, you know, we were younger. And a lot of you have this this beauty of social media. I mean, gosh, our social media was AOL instant messenger. Oh, you know, yes. and and waiting for that person, hearing that little like that sound that comes like, oh, I can talk to them online. And it's like we didn't like text, or if you did text, you had to pay per text. And it's like now, now I'm really you waited I'm for aging. those night minutes. I know the night I'm free. aging myself <laughs> yes, now, you know? And know. it's you know, and you know, social media is a blessing and a curse in that mm -hmm. sense because oh, absolutely. you know, the ways that you can get support, it also has ways to drag you down. So it's finding that happy balance, that happy, you know, that middle ground so that mm -hmm. you know you feel grounded. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. If you feel like social media is not giving you what you need, then just don't get on there. Yep. If you feel like you are getting on there and you're feeling discouraged because you're seeing this teacher that's like recorded 17 videos for their classroom and they have the perfectly decorated classroom and they're like, everything's just going swimmingly well for them. And you're mm -hmm. like, it's making you feel worse about yourself that's not where you need to hang out right now. It doesn't mean forever, but that's okay to, when I say, say no, that's something you can say no to is like, mm -hmm. I don't need to be on Instagram right now. And that's okay. It's knowing right. what you need. And yeah. So I agree with that completely. And also being fair, you know, you had made a good point. It's like what you see on the internet, isn't necessarily what's going on behind the scenes. Yep. You know what I mean? So like there could be those, and one of the, like I've gotten into TikTok a lot more there's a lot of teacher talk, you know, I don't use it for, you know, the crazy things that we've seen in, you know, in the news and these 
student challenges that are just out of control, but there's a lot of great educators mm -hmm. on there and there's a lot of things you can learn on there. And just watching some of the teachers on TikTok talking about their day and similar situations that they might have is, um, is eye-opening as well. Mm. You know, so like there is, there is that community that is out there. You know, like I said, I, you and I have never met before. You know, I, I found you through social media, found you through, right. um, you know, common, you know, acquaintances, you know, past guests and things like that. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, you know, and now I've learned something today. I've learned, a, you know, a lot more. I feel more knowledgeable now than I did before the interview had started. And that's, that's important, you know, is, yeah. is having those people to talk to and learning that again, you're not alone in these situations. So right. um, now uh, before we head out, I actually wanted to uh, make mention to all the listeners here is you actually have a free PDF available. Um, it's called 20 things to know before teaching elementary. Um, and it's through subscribing through your, um, you know, the domestic musician website. Um, is that something that is strictly for elementary school teachers or is that something that could really be tied into everybody? I think it can be applicable for anybody. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's aimed at elementary music teachers because that's who I mainly work with. But right. honestly, it is just a list of 20 things, kind of like a mini version of my book, but right. 20 things that I wish someone had told me before I got into teaching elementary music. So I do think if you're a secondary music teacher, it's free. You definitely mm -hmm. could download that as well. Free and I think you'll, word. yeah, I think you could find <laughs> some helpful tips there for you as well. All right now, and before we go, is uh, how would anybody, uh, not just necessarily, you know, people like myself, but even like, uh, you know, say there's a teacher who wants to bring someone in for, you know, professional development or, you know, workshops or, you know, but like valuable professional development, valuable workshops, how would they go about getting in contact with you in order to make something like that happen? Yeah, you can just email me, jessica at thedomesticmusician.com, and we can talk about it there. And then on my website, The Domestic Musician, there is a work with me page where mm -hmm. if you click there, there's, I believe, uh, it's been a while since I've looked, but I believe there is a form that you can fill out there, and that goes directly to my email as well. Perfect. Clicking on it right now, and <laughs> wait for it. it. Yes, there it is. Okay, I was going to yep, say, because yep, I know name, I just edited email, that. Okay, cool. Date of the event, message. Okay, cool. That's all what I there. thought. All right, and, awesome. And then even uh, for those of you that go to the domesticmusician.com, it, it's great. Like, again, when I guess the joke is her husband says she's domestic, she is very <laughs> neat and organized. Go to this website. It is it is easy to navigate. I'm just telling you, um, uh, Jessica Peresta, uh, the domestic musician. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aki education podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. And just so you all know, listeners, as always, I will have links to all of these things that we talked about today in the episode description. So you have easy access to them. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. 
Once again, thank you so much to the domestic musician Jessica Peresta for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Lots of valuable information that they don't tell you in undergrad, so hope you liked it. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on all social media accounts at Aka Ed Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now on TikTok. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes released every Monday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Acaville Radio, acaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.